0: The payoff is not in this life. You were born and born again for heaven. Do you understand that? Jesus is your holy ambition and heaven is your home. And that's the reason why you've got to go after it down here.
1: This is Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of pastor and author Crawford Lorenz. When given the option, do you choose to be joyful? When given the option, do you pursue Christ? Now, what if we put those two together? You choose to be joyful in your pursuit of Christ. How does that happen for followers of Jesus? Let's explore that today here on Living a Legacy. We're currently in a series of messages titled Choose Joy. And so far, we've looked at choosing joy in our circumstances, choosing joy in our relationships, and today, more about choosing joy in our pursuit of Christ. In a moment, the second half of last week's message, looking at this joyful, pursuing combination. If you're joining us for the first time, Crawford has been in pastoral and organizational Christian ministry for over 40 years. He's authored several books and most recently pastored the Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. The messages featured on this program come from his time at Fellowship prior to his recent retirement. Today, we'll continue looking at four important steps to take if we're going to choose joy in our pursuit of Christ. First of all, beware of the legalists. Secondly, shed our performance. Third, live worthy of our destiny. And number four, follow those who are following. Our text is Philippians chapter three. Here's Crawford on living a legacy.
0: Your gifts, your abilities, what you can pull off compared to Jesus Is dung. Paul says everything compared to him is absolutely worthless. And he really celebrates in verses 9 through 11, he he talks about this unspeakable reality that we have in him. And and you read these verses, these three verses, you say to yourself, it's as if Paul says, why, why would you choose anything other than Jesus? Why would you be passionate about anything other than Jesus? Why would your passions be greater? Look at what he says that we have, this unspeakable reality. Number one, he says we have his righteousness. Look at verse 9. He says in the last part of verse 8, In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith Paul is summarizing what he said in what Romans 3 verses 24 through 26 he says I've got righteousness he has declared me right all my sins have been forgiven past present and future I will never die he has made me right with the father Why would I allow anything to replace that? Why would I allow any pursuit to replace that? It is my gift from Him. He says, the other benny, the other reality that I have is a relationship with Him and the opportunity, even in human history, to go on this journey of intimacy with Him. You say, Crawford, where are you getting all of that from? Well, look at verse 10. Verse 10, it says... That I may know him. Unfortunately, in our English Bibles, we we miss something here. In the Greek text, there are two words that's translated to know. One of them has to do with just content, just facts, apart from my experience. The other word translated to know has to do with things that I know only as a result of experience. And that's the word that he uses here. That I might know him, gnosko. That I might experience him. He's not talking about coming to know Christ as Savior and Lord. Of course he knew that. But he's talking about experiencing intimacy with his Savior. What a privilege. Oh, the joy. Oh, the joy of walking with Jesus and knowing him. It's not just some uh, esoteric theological reality that I am as righteousness and I'm complete in Him. No, every single day of my life, He is real. He's just as real as the air that I'm breathing. I can know Him. I can experience His love. I can experience His forgiveness. I can experience His direction. I can experience His power and His hope. I can know Him. Then he also adds to this, there's another reality that we have. He says that we have his power. He refers to the resurrection in two different ways, and I'll get to the first one now, and then he says it in a different way at the end of verse 11. He says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection Paul himself is summarizing what he would say other places, or both in in, in the book of Romans, but over in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. He is talking about this power which brought back Christ from the dead, which is now ours, it operates in us. He says, I want to know him and I want to experience that power that is in me right now. Do you know that if you have Jesus, there's nothing that comes up against you that he cannot conquer? Do you know that inside of you is all the power you need to face any trial or circumstances or oppression or attack of the enemy? It's in you right now. Do you know that since you are in Christ there is no habit that you have. There's no addiction that you may have that is stronger than the power of God that lives inside of you. There's no mental oppression that you may have. There's no, nothing in your life that's more powerful than the power of the resurrection that is yours. What's more, he says, number four, this unspeakable reality, we also have identification with him he says here, verse 10 again, he says uh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now this is a different resurrection that he's talking about. When he's talking about attaining the resurrection of the dead, he's talking about that I might be worthy of the resurrection of the dead. That in some way, somehow out of gratitude I I might measure up there's this incredible reality that's going to be mine, that he's going, I'm going to rise again with him. But our identification with Jesus is a gift. I actually, without getting into theological weeds here, I actually think that what he's saying in verses 10 and 11 is that as Jesus died for sin, we are to die to sin. And the victorious Savior And as we identify with him, he purifies our lives, and he gives us the power to overcome the sin in our lives. No, he's not talking about some perfectionism. However, however, he is also talking about a victory that we can have over sin. Choose joy in your pursuit of Christ. Well, what do you have to do? Well, first we've got to be careful be aware that there are legalists, that there are, there are Christians who call themselves Christians who have less than noble visions and reasons, and you got to watch out for the legalists. Secondly, we going to shed our performance. Jesus is everything to us. But thirdly, he says that we need to live worthy of our destiny. You know, hear me on this. Paul is fighting incrementalism. There's such urgency that he writes with here. All centered on the incomparable Jesus. If we had a vision of Jesus, if we saw who he was, we would be less patient with our, dis- our sinful dysfunctions. And so he says to us here, live live. Worthy of your destiny. Oh, what are you talking about? Well, he says, Jesus is your motivation in verse 12. Okay, He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. And I just need to say a word here. He's like, Jesus is our motivation. But what, I love what the apostle Paul says here. Paul wanted the Philippians to know that he had not attained the goals that he outlined in verse 10. <coughs> no, I'm not there yet. But I can tell you, here's what I'm doing. Yeah, this is all that I have in him, praise God. He declared me this way, but I'm, I'm not completely there yet. But here's what I'm doing right now. I'm going after it. And that's what he says in verse 13. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. What lies ahead. What he's saying by way of implication and by modeling is that please stop accepting this nonsense that you have to plateau in the Christian life or that you're going to be, there'll be stalemates. Now let me balance what I'm saying by this. All of us have experienced those moments in which we sense we're not growing. You know, I have too. All of us have experienced those times in which we sense that God has veiled uh, the, the sort of like the affirmation of his presence. And you wonder, am I still am I moving forward or, or what's going on? I think sometimes God does that to cultivate faithfulness inside of us. And to cultivate a spirit of obedience without there always having to be some type of emotional affirmation. So just because you don't feel like you're moving forward does not necessarily mean that you're not moving forward. But what what, what I want us to, to get is not to accommodate and lower the standard and sanctify our sinfulness and disobedience. We need to pick up from what Paul says. No, there's never a moment in our lives where we stop pressing, where we stop pursuing. We go after it. There needs to be a holy dissatisfaction. In fact, I think that's necessary. A holy dissatisfaction is necessary for Christ's likeness. We ought to be dissatisfied with ourselves. We ought to be dissatisfied. And not, you know, contentment and dissatisfaction are, are, are technically they're different things. Contentment has to do with circumstances in which we find ourselves. We can't do anything about that. But we ought not to be satisfied with where we are. So Paul says, I press, one thing I do. No athlete succeeds by doing everything. He's like he's saying, I want you to stay focused and be careful of spiritual ADD. Jesus, 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 Crawford, 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 Jesus. I go after, he says, I press. He uses that in verse 12 and he uses that in verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, some commentators, dis, they, they disagree about what prize means. Uh, it's my view that the prize here, and I hold it with an open hand, is none other than Jesus himself. And he says, I, I press. In, the, in, the Greek word, in Greek, the word press really means to move rapidly and decisively. Paul says, I'm not, I'm not incrementally moving toward this thing. I, I, I press. I, I'm moving rapidly. I'm moving decisively. This is not your basic garden variety yawn Christianity. The application is obvious. Some of us are not moving fast enough. We need to pick up the pace. Pick up the pace. Pick up the pace. Pick up the pace. That's not legalism if we understood what we have in Jesus and all that he's done for us and the uncertainty of life, why why do we continue to accommodate where we are? Why do we keep sanitizing our disobedience? Why do we adopt this mindset of incrementalism? No, pick up the pace, brother. Pick it up. Get rid of this stuff. One thing, one thing, me. You got divided loyalties? Get rid of that. Follow hard after him Pick that pace up. You know, he said don't wallow in your failures, forgetting what lies behind. Don't wallow in your failures and don't worship your successes. Don't be a victim and don't be a Pharisee. Keep moving. You can become too obsessed with your victories and that too will slow you down. gotta refuse to be controlled by our past failures or accomplishments there's more of jesus ahead now we act on what we know that's what verses 15 and 16 is all about let those of us who are mature think this way and if anything you think otherwise god will reveal that also to you only let us hold true to what we have attained. Now, Paul is not letting people off the hook, but he's acknowledging a reality that people are different places in their walk with God. We have different understanding of what we know. But, but Paul is just is saying it, that, to us that the greatest need among God's people is to live up to what we, have, what we know and where we are where we're already in Christ. Wherever you are, hold on to that, but keep moving toward where you need to be. And that's what God holds us accountable for. And then he reminds us to remember our country of origin. I love this. Drop your eye down to verse, what is that, 20 and 21. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul says, look, and and you know, actually the Philippians understood this because Philippi was a colony. It was a Roman colony. Technically, they were Roman citizens, even though they lived in Philippi. Every follower of Jesus Christ carries a heaven passport. That's our country of origin. So what, what he's saying here is, look, you, 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 this is not your home. You don't belong here. The payoff is not in this life. You're going to a city whose builder and maker is God. You were born and born again for heaven. Do you understand that? Jesus is your holy ambition and heaven is your home. And that's the reason why you've got to go after it down here then follow those who are following that's how we choose joy in our pursuit of christ we follow those who are following now i say that purposely in verses uh, 17 through 19 in these three verses the key word is the word walk here walk 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 and he tells us in verse 17 look to those who are looking to christ brothers join in imitating me And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Now, I I want you to notice that Paul is not talking about some blind allegiance. He says elsewhere, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul himself is not talking about the end game. But we're, we're to follow those who are following Jesus. We're to look at their lives. And if their lives begin to pattern and look like the Savior, then we walk that way with them. We follow them as they follow Christ. Be very careful of attaching yourselves to strong personalities who demand, and you might use a few Bible verses, but they demand that they're going to be the authority over your life, or you got to report to them, or you got you know this this whole this whole authority abuse thing, which visits itself in our churches with these strong personalities. Now that's not what he's talking about. Check out how people walk. And thus he says here in verses, what is that? Verses 18 and 19, he tells us to do more looking and less listening. Watch people. And I tell young people this all the time because we're particularly vulnerable. Just because somebody can turn a phrase or they sound good or they say all the right stuff. Don't be too quick to sign up. Just check them out for a while. He says here, for many of whom I have often told you and, I, and now tell you even with tears, okay, my heart is broken over this, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. Paul is pleading, don't be naive. Be discerning. Know the truth. We gotta be careful of ever developing student. We're not. This is not where we are. But one of my big burdens here is that we don't have student ministries or youth ministries where all we do is babysit kids and give them a good time. In the name of our small groups that are just relational stuff where you share all your struggles and this kind of thing, but there's not much Bible around. So let me tell you what ends up happening. What ends up happening when you go through the babysitting, youth stealing, good activities and make them have a good time, everybody. That's fun, and you know they have balloon fights and water fights, and a great time to camp. This kind of thing. They graduate, and then they go off to college. The little Leroy and Susie walk into their first intro course of philosophy, and Homeboy stands up and says, "There's no such thing as moral absolutes." Now they write back home. They're cratered in their faith. Paul is saying, "Truth matters." you have to be discerning you have to know and understand no not everything's right some folks are wrong and it's not my truth or your truth there is an objective truth that we we all sit under and as we pursue Jesus it's not just a matter of feelings about Jesus That pursuit of Jesus is informed by what Jesus has said in his word. So the question to all of us is this. How much do we really want to know Jesus? Are we satisfied to just be in the game, playing the game? Or do we want to win the game? Let me tell this quick story. My son's going to listen to this and say, "Dad, what did you tell us?" <laughs> uh, Brendan was an incredible baseball player. Um, he really was, and um, I've told you this before. He was in my early retirement program, and then decided to go into ministry. <laughs> um, but when he was 13 years old, he's playing in the the state uh, pony league uh, tournament for the state title, and. Um, now, I never, don't let his sweet demeanor fool you. He's a pretty competitive dude, especially when he gets a ball or a golf club or something in his hand. And uh, so this sort of surprised me as we were in the car driving to the game. Uh, he's 13 years old. And uh, so he started talking, uh, he started saying, Dad, you know, these guys we playing today, they're really good, man. They're really good. They're just, man, I... I heard about this, you know, there's really, and he started going, I said, I started hearing this little intimidation in his voice, and so then he said to me, and he goes, he goes, he goes, I, I don't know, Dad, you know, I don't know if we can pull this off, I mean, we're going to give it, I don't know if we can win or not, I've been, if, and I just pulled the car over off the side of the road, I said, Dad, what are you doing? I said, we're going home. He said, what? I said, no, we're going home. Don't you ever stand on a mountain with a ball in your hand and not expect to win. You may not. But I am not driving all these miles down here and you've mailed it in. And we laugh at that. But I wonder if God doesn't look in heaven down at us. Crawford, why are you settling for this? I've I've given you my spirit and my son, he's everything to you. Why aren't you going after Jesus? Do you have a good reason for not passionately pursuing the savior? Let's take a little bit of time to really count and ask ourselves a question. Is there anything holding me back? from fully and passionately pursuing Jesus. If there is, Lord, would you show it to me? Would you light a fire in my heart
1: for you? Crawford Loretz here on Living a Legacy, four important steps to take if we're going to choose joy in our pursuit of Christ. Number one, beware of the legalists. Number two, shed our performance. Number three, live worthy of our destiny. And number four, follow those who are following. We're making our way through a series called Choose Joy, and so far we've looked at choosing joy in our circumstances, choosing joy in our relationships, choosing joy in our pursuit of Christ, and next week, choosing joy in our outlook on life. To hear all of the messages so far, visit our website, livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. Look for the past programs link. Please let us know if you listen on radio or online and tell us how Crawford's teaching is helping you move closer to Christ. Click on the Contact Us link at livingalegacy.org. Well, thanks for being part of our study today and we'll look for you again next week right here. I'm Bill Davis. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.